Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Hello, welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Farah Kalik, motivational speaker and scleroderma ambassador. Farah was just 17 years old when she began to experience symptoms such as discolored knuckles, facial swelling, and general stiffness. And unbeknown to her and several doctors, these were the early signs of scleroderma. There were several misdiagnoses over a two-year period before a doctor was finally able to identify the condition correctly. And since then, she has braved her situation to advocate and voice herself as a strong and empowered woman. Farah sees scleroderma as another challenge and has managed to live with it to her advantage because of her zeal, her passion, her family support, and her faith. She has managed to openly talk and share her story on various platforms. And she's been able to educate many on this rare condition, but also promote Uh, this sense of self-love and balance in your life. She's gained support from vast supporters all over the world who cheers her on every day. And you're just absolutely going to love this conversation with Farah. The first thing that I asked her was what she thought was the biggest misconception about scleroderma. Scleroderma is just a skin disease where it's not just about the skin. It's actually a lot more. Nobody tells you about the changes you're going to see. Nobody tells you about the lifestyle changes you'll have to make. Nobody tells you about so many things with your body. You know, it's not just the skin getting hard, but quite a lot. Even the organs get affected. So I believe that's the biggest misconception Mm, that we have. So many misconceptions about how it affects your life. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But for those that may not be aware of what scleroderma is, are you able just to provide a brief description? Yes, scleroderma is an autoimmune disorder. It's basically about when your body is attacking your immune system instead of protecting it. And uh, sclero is, means hard and derma is skin. So it's like hardening of the skin. So the biggest organ that is affected is the skin. And uh, how it's affected is the body produces an excessive amount of collagen, which then goes and sits itself under the layer of the skin. So that is why the skin becomes tight, it becomes stiff and it stretches so yeah, that's the main, the easiest description I know of scleroderma. Yeah, well, even just breaking down the word <clears throat> of, you know, hardening of the skin, that mm. I'm sure leads to the many misconceptions as well, because yeah. the name is a bit misrepresented, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How is it diagnosed? It's, in fact, that's another big issue, which uh, me and fellow patients that I've spoken with have gone through. And it's so heartbreaking because you don't get diagnosed right away when your initial symptoms come up 
they really are so vague that the doctors cannot catch it immediately. There is a lot of misdiagnosis. I was misdiagnosed. I was correctly diagnosed when I was about two years into the disease. So for two years, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of trials and tests of all sorts. And it was after two years that when I was correctly diagnosed with scleroderma, and by then, my whole body was stiff, and I had a lot of pigmentation on my skin. And yeah, I was basically completely into the disease. <laughs> so tell us more about your story. At what age did you notice that something was starting to happen to your body? I was about 17 years old when my first symptoms came up, and that was darkening of the skin around my knuckles on my hands and swelling early in the morning when I would wake up. There was a lot of swelling on my face, on my hands. And then after about a few hours of waking up, the swelling would just go away. And then there was a lot of stiffness around my thighs. And, you know, it would just come and go, the stiffness, you know. Yeah, those were my initial symptoms. That was around 17. I had just cleared high school. I was in college and I had also landed my first job. So I was pretty excited. I was really active. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm starting to slow down. I can't wake up easily in the morning. I can't suddenly just, you know, like if a pen drops on the floor, I can't pick it up as quickly as I could earlier. You know, I had to like really stretch myself out because now my skin is not as elastic as it was. I am a Muslim and I pray. So when I'm praying, I have, you have to squat down. And I can't do that easily as well. So I'm like, what's happening? What are these changes? You know, why, why can't I sit down on the floor? Why can't I do stuff? You know, why can't I just get up from the chair, you know, immediately like a, like a normal person? You know, why do I have to really struggle? And yeah, those are my initial symptoms. And when we had to get the test done, I had to quit my job. I had to quit college because I was getting really weak. It was really coming in fast. And the tests were so intense and aggressive. There was tests each and every other day. And, you know, the needles wouldn't go into my skin because my skin is now so hard and just painful. And I'm, I'm becoming weak. And, you know, emotionally also, I was really drained. So a lot was happening during that period and until we went to India for my first diagnosis I was completely you know in this dark space already and finding out about scleroderma now and then just being told blatantly that there's no cure there's nothing you can do about it you just give you these steroids and you just have to manage it and that's it so unlike <laughs> what does that even mean you know so sitting there in the doctor's office trying to unpack that as a 19-year-old, you know, I'm trying to understand what has just happened to me, you know. And then to start it all off, I'm looking into the mirror and I'm not even recognizing this girl anymore. Like, who is this? So the changes had begun. It was such an intense moment, a period of my life. And I'm just grateful I overcame it, yeah. It took time, it definitely did. I'm still overcoming it. I... I do still have my days. It's, it's a journey. It's a daily journey. And yeah, that's, that's my story. 
Mm, yeah wow and just at that like pivotal time in your life as well where you're going out into the world and becoming a young adult and choosing the direction of your life and yeah the challenges that you faced are difficult and Mm. on top of that the ongoing investigations and the misdiagnosis what were some of the things that the doctors thought that you might have I was initially being treated for a vitamin C and D deficiency. And then I was also on thyroxines. And then when I went to go and see a specialist, an arthritis specialist, he diagnosed it as lupus. So my first diagnosis was lupus, which is not far from scleroderma. They're all in the same family. But the correct diagnosis was scleroderma. So that two-year journey where you're progressively having less energy and progressively seeing changes in your body and quite rapidly, really, because two years in the space of you know, a lifetime is not a huge amount of time. What was the driving force of the continued investigation? Did you have a support network around you or have, are you known to be really persistent? Because I can imagine at those times when you were feeling really in the darkest moment and and you had had a diagnosis before just you know sometimes the thought is to surrender so Uh, what was that driving force my family actually my mom and dad my parents they were always on the lookout for you know the newest treatment and you know let's try that you know if anyone would tell them drink this glass of water and yeah they would give it to me you know so we obviously wanted to know initially that what was the reason what was actually happening to me and since we didn't have any such history in our family such a disease or such a condition so we we didn't know the intensity of it the enormous disease that was on its way you know we we didn't know the intensity of it so we just initially honestly as a family we just knew that we're gonna get tested and i'm gonna be on some medication and it will be okay you know we literally we did not expect anything like this so to say that uh, we are constantly on the lookout for invest uh, on the lookout and on tests yeah because to know what it is and to get the medicine asap you know <laughs> because i was really getting weak really fast and yeah so when it really hit that okay there's no cure when the doctors said that's why it went all went haywire <laughs> All went uh, southwards, emotions. But one thing stood out, my family support. We were always, you know, one. My parents, my mom, my biggest supporter, she was always positive. She always told me there is a cure. Don't listen to them. God is great and you should believe in him. And yeah, you have to keep going. You can't stop. You just can't stop. That's what she would always tell me. It's wonderful to have that support network. Yes, yes. How long ago was that now, Farah, that you had your diagnosis? It was, I think, in uh, 2007. Yeah. Yeah, about 13 years now. So what has life looked like for you since then? Lots of things. We're going to get into some, you know, some notable things. But what does life look like over the last decade or so? (laughs) <laughs> Lonely, if you would ask me uh, 10 years ago that Farah you'd be out there speaking about Slardona, I'd laugh at you. <laughs> I'd really tell you, you're crazy, get out of here, you know. 
Honestly, the first five years, I was really, really in a dark space. I did not know what to do, where I'm headed, what am I doing in this life? And I was lost completely. I did not like to look into the mirror. I did not like this person that I was becoming, I was changing and I was scared of myself. I was angry at everything and anything around me. I was angry just looking at my friends, my cousins. Why are they normal and I am not, you know? There was a lot of negativity in me. I did find my way back to God and I became really spiritual and I found some sort of ease in that. And slowly as I took steps to accept myself, as I took steps to live in the skin, as I took steps to enjoy the skin, as I took steps to embrace it completely, I found this new way. And when I spoke about my condition for the first time and the support that I received, the love that I received, I was so shocked <laughs> because I was like, okay, I'm just saying what, what I'm going through. And if I'm touching someone's life, I really was shocked and I was like oh my god so this is what I was supposed to do you know because I felt like this is what God has showed me and he's like you know what Har, you have a greater purpose and maybe just by me being me and showing others that it's okay just the way you are your skin is just beautiful just as it is and he's made you perfect and he knows why he's made you that way maybe if I could just share this perception with the world and try to change it and change the perceptions of beauty of how we are and why we are different yeah I feel like that's now my journey that's what scleroderma has become for me <laughs> and you certainly have broken some stigmas and I'm sure changed a lot of opinions in the mm -hmm. industries as well do you remember the first time that you shared your story you mentioned that you've received so much love and encouragement mm -hmm. following that what was that event or, or that moment that you shared I was approached for an interview and funny enough, the lady thought I had a skin condition. So I would always post on Instagram and I'd never show my hands, just my face. So she approached me and she's like, you're always smiling in your pictures and uh, you have a skin condition. I'd love to feature you on my show. And I was like, uh, even at first I was like, what am I going to talk about? And she's like, no, I just have to tell us about your condition and why you're all this so happy, you know? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so when she came home and she saw me and she's like, you know, it's really, I could see the shock on her face and she was like startled. And she's like, what is this condition called? So we sat down and before we started shooting, I had told her the whole story and she was like, she's never heard about this disease. And I'm like... Yeah, I've never seen anyone like me here in my own country. And I'm like, you know, why is it only me? And I was really lonely, you know, and that's why I wouldn't share my full pictures, you know, like full portrait. And, you know, when you have a condition and you find someone who has a condition just like you, it kind of gives you that sense of relativity, you know, it makes you, it gives you comfort that, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> and when I told you, it was shared and I could see the amount of misinformation there was around in my country, in Kenya. Not many people knew about Snowderma. And how did they know about me? It was through that story that was aired on national television. And I was so shocked. I was like, oh my God, 
And then a few days later, um, a group of ladies contacted me. They had the same condition and apparently they had this WhatsApp group. So I joined this group and I was like, oh my God, there are people like me, you know, and it felt so good. <laughs> I was so happy, you know, tell my mom, you know, they, have, they also had this condition, yes, yes. And we'd meet up or we'd call and, you know, we just keep in touch with each other. And then online, I mean, from all over the world, people are texting me, sending me messages that even I have scleroderma and when I see you, I feel positive and I feel good about myself. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, you also have, and I'm like, there, you know, like you don't know what you are giving me, you know, you're giving me the sense of comfort that you're not alone. So I feel like when someone has a condition that you think is rare, don't be shy to talk about it. Share about it. You don't know someone out there has the same thing and you know they could find you and you guys could bond <laughs> over this condition, you know, and you will not feel lonely. So yeah, yeah that's my first coming out story. <laughs> yeah, wow, so powerful. And on national TV as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine extremely nerve-wracking to mm-hmm. uh, be mm-hmm. in such public eye, but what a wonderful response and to meet others with scleroderma as well. Yeah, it's like finding your bosom buddies. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you won't believe it on Twitter. The, the people I would I was really friends with on Twitter, when they saw me on TV, they were shocked because I'd never shared a picture of me like cool, you know, with my hands. And they were so shocked. And they texted me and they were like, Farah, you know, we want to meet you, we want to meet you. And I was like, you know, still shy and afraid. But then the support that I got kind of gave me that boost. You know, I was like, Farah, you know what? You have to show yourself to the world. Why are you hiding, you know? So, and that really just gave me that, you know, that, what do they call it? That, that kick, you know, that yeah your mojo yeah exactly yeah that just gave me that it sounds like it was really a turning point in your life Mm. what happened after that did you get a taste for I guess media and did it kind of snowball after that or did life go back to quietness no, it definitely did snowball. I also stumbled upon a stem cell treatment on one of the articles. I was sent this article by a follower and I read about it. I did my research and then I also met this really uh, huge media personality and I dreamt of meeting him. His name is Mr. Jeff Koinange. So after the first show, I really, really wanted to be to meet this guy and he reached out and they, they were like, yeah, we should do a show. And they reached out and I was like, oh my God, you know. So it, there was definitely the a huge snowball. I was getting calls for newspaper articles, for radio shows. And then when I, I heard about the stem cell treatment, it was quite expensive, so we could not afford it. So what I thought was like, you know, I just go do a fundraiser. And I just started this fundraiser, you know, not even expecting any response or anything because I was like, it's too expensive. I don't even know how I'm going to do it. But I started it and it just blew up, you know. The amount of awareness it created, uh, a lot of people wanted to interview me and to help me, you know, talk about this fundraiser to reach small people 
and eventually reaching my sponsor who sponsored the whole trip. So it was massive. And then after that treatment, when I came back, I is when I started my brand, Farakalik, uh, with the hashtag Inspire Life. And now I was just, you know, about posting inspirational stuff, inspiring people to just live their best lives. So, yeah, I, I believe that was just the little miracle that happened with me. Yeah, which absolutely. Brought, which really showed me that this is all I'm supposed to do. Yeah. 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 What an incredible story. Tell us about the stem cell treatment. I had it done in India, in Ahmedabad, Geostar Hospital. It's a relatively new treatment. Not much people know about it. And what people know about it also is not really the real deal, if I may say so, because there's a lot of different kinds of stem cell treatment. There's one which they do chemotherapy for it. And there's, then there's this one, which I had done. Um, so I did not need any donor cells, any donor blood cells or anything. Alhamdulillah, they, had, they used my own. So I think I was really <laughs> lucky about that. So they basically took cells out from my body and then they recharged them, I don't know, in their labs. So they work on them and then they infuse them back. So when they infuse back is when they come and just give birth to these new and healthy cells which come and heal the organs which are affected. So if it's, um, for me, it was my digestive system. I had really got uh, really affected with my digestive system. I could not eat well. I could not. I was constantly on diarrhea and really bad ulcers in my my chest would pain so much. So yeah, I would vomit every now and then, you know, if I've eaten one good meal, I have to vomit. Um, So eating was a problem. So basically these cells came and healed my digestive system. They healed my skin. I had some elasticity now on my arms on my hands I can see some wrinkles so when I smile I see a a new wrinkle and I jump up to enjoy you know (laughs) so (laughs) yeah even when I got a pimple on my face I was like hello I got a pimple you know (laughs) and my friends are like are you crazy girl how can you be happy I'm like oh no I want them I want these pimples I miss them Oh, they the are little like, things. no girl, you don't miss something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And this, uh, the stem cell treatment, was it a course? Is it something that will be ongoing or is it more of a one-off yes, type treatment? Um, no, no, it's not one-off. So I did my first session, which was broken down into three parts. So I would do one part and then a two-week break and then go for the second part. And so there were three parts. So that was my first session. I'm supposed to go follow up with another one. It's been two years now I was supposed to go. But yeah, again, (laughs) I wasn't able to raise the funds. And uh, yeah, now I'm working on uh, setting up the foundation and with the same name and hoping, you know, to create massive awareness advocacy about scleroderma, autoimmune disorders, and stem cell treatment. And, you know, just hoping to get people like me to be able to reach this treatment. Mm. Yeah, so my so treatment t- is still pending. <laughs> yeah, 
And for the foundation that you talked about, is is that something that's mm-hmm. established yet? And if not, what does that look like? Uh, no, I'm in the process of establishing it. I've spoken to a few people and they're helping me getting it registered. Uh, yeah, it, it will be the Farah Halek Foundation, inshallah. And yeah, my basic two main objectives are advocacy, empowerment, and then stem cell treatment. Yeah. So when I speak of advocacy, I want to really, really spread awareness about this disease, the symptoms, and how it's diagnosed so that people know about it. So that uh, someone who's just found their first symptom can at least detect, you know, and say, no, go to the doctor and tell them, no, get this test done. I want to know if it's Laradama. Mm. Number two, also, and sorry, let me, I'm not done with number one. Also, on awareness, I want to remove the stigma around Laradama and autoimmune disorders because we are different. We become different. I mean, our our disabilities are not seen at times. There, there are many people who are like me, but their hands are not as disfigured as mine, but they have the, the, the disease and they are slower, you know, they, but you know, there's a lot of stigma on this condition and I want to remove that. So number two is empowerment. By empowerment, I mean having to start this dialogue of including people with autoimmune disorders in corporate, in the corporate world, in businesses, in in the government, in any job, because yes, we are able, we are differently able, but we are able and, you know, we want to be independent, we don't want, we can do stuff, you know, (laughs) and I want people to believe that, that yes, I can do something. So if you see me today on the cover of Faith magazine, let's say Vogue, you know, I want someone at Saradona to say that, yes, even I am beautiful and even I can be on the face of any product. And that is what I want to do. So I want to encourage and empower people with autoimmune disorders. And then number three, stencil treatment. When we get donors, I would love to approach such patients and tell them about stencil treatment and tell them that you know, we should try it out. And if I am cured, if they see that I am cured, I believe many people will go for it. So yeah, I want to make it easy for them to go for treatment. I don't want anyone to suffer the way I am. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's my dream now. Yeah, wow, what a mission and what a driving yes. force. It's really powerful. <laughs> you sound, that wasn't a question that we'd actually prepared in this interview, but you, you clearly are very clear on that vision, which is really important. And yeah, I wish you absolutely all the best. And when you, you do launch the foundation, absolutely uh, let us know and we can rally up Definitely. some engagement through our platforms as well. So Farah, you've had stem cell treatment and and you know for yourself it has been successful. I'm sure you've heard your fair share of miracle treatments from strangers and and all types of things. What's the most obscure one yet? And this is really just, (laughs) this is just an opportunity to have a bit of a a giggle at some of the ridiculousness that happens. You will not believe the logic. (laughs) What I have been through, okay, um, 
So there was uh, in East Africa, just a country next door to ours. It's called Tanzania. And there's this a man, he had this miracle drink and people from all walks of life would really add, I don't know, you'll find it on the internet as well. He was called Babu, Babu. So he had this miracle drink. He's from Tanzania. He had this miracle drink, which was supposed to cure any disease and all diseases. So yeah, my mom and I, <laughs> we took the journey. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> oh God, I'm telling you, we went, we we went by road. Oh, it was so long. And we we reached there around midnight. We left here at midday. We reached there midnight. We had to just like two, three hours to sleep, and there was a tent. We were provided with a tent. Can you imagine? I entered the tent. We slept like two, three hours. It wasn't even sleeping, just lying down, you know, just to straighten our backs. And then get up and stand in line. We're given this drink in, in a small plastic cup. And it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He just mixed up some herbs and he boils them. And that's the miracle drink. So we're supposed to drink that and then wait for a sermon and hear him. And then that's it. Just go back. Wow. And yeah. And we were back home by evening that day around 4 p.m. there. And yeah, and life went on. Nothing <laughs> <Something> happened. <laughs> and that feeling of, is it doing anything? Can I feel uh, different? Yeah. I, I know, you know, my mom would ask me like every two hours <laughs> since you <she> got <laughs> back, like, do you feel something? Do you feel something? And you know, I'm thinking like, oh God, you know, I was, I would like, whenever we'd start a new treatment with a new doctor and just after the first day or the second day, whenever my parents would ask me, um, how are you feeling? Are you feeling any changes? And you know, I would feel so horrible inside because I'm not feeling any changes, you know? And I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Why am I not getting better, you know? And that really, that question, how are you feeling? I used to hate it mm. because there was no changes. And I'm like, why, why, why? feeling anything you know it's supposed to become okay what is wrong with you you know and I used to be so hard on myself you know mm. I feel like I, I was really really hard on myself and I'd be like girl there's something definitely wrong with you you know <laughs> why are you not feeling better you know you're trying all these treatments and I just wish that you know we were diagnosed early and that is why I really really I'm so scared when I hear about an autoimmune disorder and I'm like I know what you must have gone through just to get the correct diagnosis you know yeah because up until that moment the amount of mental stress confusion and you know fear anxiety that you feel that that person goes through oh, it's unimaginable truly mm. And the driving around the countryside in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, what a story. I can Actually, oh, God, and the road was terrible. <laughs> oh, and you're just thinking, I'm not feeling anything. I can imagine it being really imagine, frustrating at the time. All but... that, and I'm like, yeah, girl, you're still here. You're still the same. Even a miracle drink cannot help you. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> is he still in business? I, You know what? There were people from as far as UK, US, 
traveling to Tanzania. If you Google Dadu Tanzania or medical drink Tanzania, you're going to find him. Seriously, apparently a few months ago, a local television did a feature on him and he's still in business, but he doesn't get as much as a crowd as he used to get. And rightly but, so. Yeah. And, and and if anyone is looking <clears throat> him up, we're not encouraging you to go see him yeah, yeah, or no, give no, him no, attention, maybe just for a little entertainment. So, <laughs> Farah, tell us about blogging and vlogging. When, why, how did this start? Oh, my God. Uh, so, again, I just uh, stumbled upon a, lo- a blog and at first I was like, Wow, you know, I saw these articles and you know what caught my eye was the fashion articles about, you know, there was a lot of this how to style a skirt in four ways and how to style a black t-shirt. And I'd be like, oh my God, wow. And you know, I was, I mean, I'm a girl. I love fashion. I love my clothes. I love my handbags. I love good stuff. You know, I love going shopping and stuff. And I'd be like, you know what? You know, I I, uh, I also had my own fashion sense. I'm like, I'm going to write too. But now I was like, what are you going to write about, you know? And all of a, you know, just, just one day on my laptop, reading blogs, I just started typing and I would, I found I felt so good, you know, writing out, writing. It would be about food. I love food, by the way. <laughs> so I'd be writing about food sometimes. There were so many drafts I had written out. I never published them. But the, yes, there were some that I wrote and I published. And it, it just made me feel good. And then I went on YouTube, you know, YouTube was in 2009, you know, that's when it just hit off. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm seeing these bloggers. And I'm like, I want to do that too. You know, so it was just, you know, looking and feeling like okay even I can do that why can't I and I just started and I just I found joy in it you know and if I do something and I find joy in it I keep doing it and it's just a roller coaster from there if I see that I like you know I tried journaling but I couldn't keep up and I'm like okay it's okay I, I can't do that so I just keep it aside and I'm like you know I don't force anything on myself I always try and do what brings joy to me. And being in front of the camera just makes me happy. I don't know why, but it just makes me happy and I just love it. So yes, videos, editing, I'm learning how to edit. I'm so excited. I'm learning how to create posters, you know? So being this creative being has really given me the, I think it's given me an outlet, a place to be free with myself, you know, and just create and I don't even care you know if I get any likes or not or if I get any views or not I don't even bother anymore I I I just want to be me and I feel like that's the main that's the most important thing yeah and that expression yes do you ever feel the pressure to write about advocacy it's something that you do but you mentioned also you love food and you love fashion but do you ever feel pressure from disabled community or the visible difference community to write more activism yeah yeah, yeah, i get so if you uh, see my instagram posts they lean a lot on how on um, inspiring inspiring people to be themselves, to live their best lives despite your condition, you know, and 
Yes, I do speak about scleroderma. In fact, I'm also working on a website. So I will be writing more about scleroderma and I'll be posting it there. And yeah, I, I do feel like writing a lot about advocacy and awareness. And I feel like me just being me is, is spreading that awareness, you know? Yeah, it goes I just without like, saying almost. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like me just being me and talking about self-care, talking about life, talking about just owning yourself, owning your reality. That's just, I feel like that's spreading a lot of awareness. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point that sometimes mm. you don't have to kind of state the obvious. It's just, yeah. It's like sometimes a picture paints a thousand words or mm. uh, action, you know, action can be much more persuasive mm. than just talking or writing talking. about something. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I, when someone asked me what you should concentrate on your niche, and I'm like, I don't think so. Life has a niche, you know? Um, I don't want just people with a condition to follow me. No. There are people all kinds that follow me and send me messages. Marnie, um, you won't believe it. There was once when initially I had just started out. I was I got this message from a young girl, a, a teenager, and she told me she has a birthmark on her face. So I don't know what kind of a birthmark, but she was so conscious about it. She told me that she doesn't want to leave the house. And I was so shook. I was like, I felt like going into my phone and, you know, holding that girl and shaking her. Like, girl, what is wrong with you, you know? And that is why I, when someone asked me, what is your niche? I'm like, life does not have a niche. When you want to inspire people to be their best, to be to live their reality and to live their best lives, there's no niche for that. You know, you can touch all niches. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Life is colorful and vibrant mm. and there's there's yes. many, many layers to it. Mm. What are some ways like you share a lot of inspiration on your social media and mm. the, and the things that you talk about and you know living your best life and living with joy what are some daily types of practices that help you get into that mindset I think it's a personal journey and it's one that I take every day I don't wake up happy every day <laughs> I have my days when I don't want to get out of bed I can't get out of bed and on those days, my mom just, you know, she comes and she gets the blanket off and she's like, after you go, come on, it's time to get up, you know. Um, there are those days when I look into the mirror and I do see a tear in my eye and I'm like, you know, why, why? <laughs> I do still ask that question. It's not like it's gone and I'm happy with myself. No, it's a journey and I take it every day. Every day I choose to accept myself, I choose to love myself because I need it. I need myself. I need myself first before I expect anyone else to love me, before I expect anyone else to accept me. And I have to be comfortable with myself first before I expect anyone to be comfortable with me. So I do have to get into this mindset and I have to remind myself that 
I am the only person I have for me. So I have to show up for myself. And whenever I wake up, I have, whenever I have those bad days, I do allow myself to feel bad, you know, because you have to, it's normal, it's human. It's not a bad thing. I allow myself to feel bad a day. Sometimes I, I switch off on social media also. I don't post anything that day because I don't want to. Sometimes I do share that I'm not feeling so good. And I get so many messages like, oh, you know, hugs and love and whatnot. And yes, it does make me feel good, but I still am feeling bad. So I go like, you know what, girl, just let it out, you know. And on those days, I could maybe cry and, you know, just sulk, just sit quietly. You know, I let myself feel that way. I let it all out. And mm -hmm. once it's done, you know, the next day, I feel much better. I slept well. I eat well. Then I feel good. And yeah, and you know, that the next day I tell myself, okay, you've let it out. It's time to start a fresh new day. You're still here. You're still you. Nothing has changed. So come on, you got to show up for yourself. Yeah. That's how, yeah. Incredible advice and feel all the feels. I love that. Mm, yes, definitely. Farah, can you share some advice for someone that may be living or have been recently diagnosed with a, an immune condition? I mean, oh. you've shared so much <laughs> advice already, but, but it was a question in here and, and I, I'm, yes, I yes, always definitely. like to ask. Um, if you have any condition, immune or not, I mean, we have cancer, we have all sorts of conditions and it gets lonely, Marnie. It really gets lonely. I'd say is find yourself first. Find yourself, make sure you're there for yourself. Be present for yourself. Not, I mean, my mom is there for me. I know that. But I sleep alone, you know. And I feel like I wish I had someone at night, you know, to cut love to. Or just to tell me, hey, you're beautiful, you know. <laughs> so I, I would just say, be there for yourself. Be there for yourself. Because you're, at this point, your body, your soul needs you. And once you're there for yourself, you'll find a way to walk this journey. You will find a way. Just make sure you're there for yourself. Don't leave yourself alone. That's my most important advice. Because once I found myself, once I, I promised myself, I looked into the mirror and I looked into my eyes and I, I could see myself wanting to live. But I was not accepting myself and I was stopping myself. So... I said, no, I'm going to live for you. Look into the mirror and tell yourself, I'm going to live for you and just do it. You'll find your way. And of course, make sure God is with you in your life and you'll be able to, to walk through anything. Wow, I just got goosebumps like all over <laughs> when you were saying that because it's so powerful, it's so simple and it's something that many of us forget we may never mm. we may never have that opportunity but as you said earlier it's a choice mm. and yeah what a brilliant piece of advice in so many gold Thank nuggets you. that you've already shared today to Thank finish you. on far where can people find more about you and the work that you're doing i'm on all social media even tiktok even tiktok <laughs> youtube instagram yes tiktok uh twitter Facebook, I'm Farah Khaled, at Farah Khaled. 
My website is about to launch soon, so I don't have any links to share, but I will share them, inshallah, with you very soon. So yeah, do Watch keep out space. for that. And yes. send me a message of any media. Um, I'd love to connect with all of you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll put all of Farah's links in the show notes so that Please. you can make sure to follow all the journeys that she's doing. Yeah. Thank you, Farah, so much for spending the time with us, sharing your journey and sharing just so much wisdom packed into half an hour. Like <laughs> uh, so I'm thinking of all these, these, these quotes that are just coming out of your mouth. It's just, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's truly been an honour. Thank you so much for listening in for another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I absolutely loved this episode with Farah, her story, her journey, her wisdom. Oh, so deep, this this wisdom that I think we can all really listen and hear. And I know that I'll be re-listening to this episode just to catch all those nuggets of gold that Farah shared throughout if you enjoyed listening, then I welcome you to share with a loved one, a friend, a family member, because it may just give them the little zest that they're needing. Until next week, be skin powered.